0: Jesus said to the disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you're not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. you, Lord. You may be seated. A few years ago, my family and I went out for the day, and I was the only one excited to be going where we were going. And we went and we took amazing pictures, and everybody looked super happy in all the pictures. But when I look back at those pictures, I'm grateful for them. But I remember that in reality, everybody was really grumpy and um, I started getting grumpy because everybody was complaining about having to go about this day. And I think sometimes that's often how it works in the church or in our families. We have these images, these pictures, of how we think it should be. Like we want, we picture ourselves enjoying each other's company, laughing, sitting around together and supporting each other. Those are what we want people to experience in our families and in the church. But we know that so often, that's not the case. That behind the ideal images of what we want our families and our church communities to be like, there are many times when we get grumpy. There are also times when we get into disagreements or conflicts with one another, or we fall far short of being the loving community that Jesus formed us to be. And one thing we get from our Gospel reading today is Jesus knows that. He gives us this instruction. He starts out saying, if another member of the church sins. Now, in the original language of the scripture, our translation read, if another member of the church, but in the original language of the scripture, it actually reads, if a brother sins against you. Because the community that Jesus has formed us to be is meant to have these relationships that are as close as family. So he's like, if a sibling in the church sins against you, here's what you need to do. And it's not an if, like, just in case this might possibly happen. It's an if, like, this is gonna happen. (laughs) I think one thing we think of when we think about sin is we always have this idea that it's the wrong things we do. That's how we picture sin, and that's true. We kind of need to expand our understanding of sin larger to see that sin is a part of being a part of broken creation, that we can't get out of it, we can't avoid it that there are times we end up in situations where we end up hurting one another even when we've tried to do everything but hurt one another. We don't always see things the same way no matter how hard we try. So just being with other people in the church or in our homes or at school or at work or in our neighborhoods, just being with other people means there's times we're not gonna get along. It means conflict is gonna happen. It's a part of being human. Just a couple weeks ago, my husband and I must have been off for the day, so we were together, and we were kind of getting in each other's way. And I was getting pretty grumpy, and he's like, Why are you so mad? And I just blurted out, It's just being married. And so he said... (laughs) Luckily, he has a good sense of humor, and he okayed me sharing this story. But he said, well, that makes me sad. (laughs) And I (laughs) I said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I just mean, because we're married, it's not anything you're doing. It's just being married. We're in each other's space more, you know. We're just getting in each other's way more today. It's nothing about you. I'm very happy to be married to my husband. The conflict is just a part of being human, no matter how hard we try to avoid it. One of my former teachers, Ralph Jacobson, wrote about this passage this week, and he wrote that the church is not a community of the redeemed who no longer sin, or who are no longer in the grip of sin. Rather, the church is a community that must strive to not let sin separate us from one another, to not let sin separate us from one another. I've probably shared this before, but it's a quote that's always stuck with me, that the church is not the Museum of Saints it's the hospital for sinners. It's where we come to all experience that healing and forgiving together. I used to check out a blog from a retired pastor, Delmar Chilton, and he once shared a story that his dad used to tell about the local holiness church in the community where he grew up. And according to his dad, every spring, when the farmers in the church went out to plant tobacco, the preacher would go and in their book of discipline, it said you weren't to be involved in the tobacco trade, so he would go out, the pastor would go out to all the tobacco farmers and say, bring the book of discipline, say you're not supposed to be doing this, you need to cease you know, farming tobacco. And then he would recite this passage from Matthew 18 to prove that he was going to do what it said in the scripture. Well, this is the farmer's livelihood, so they continued to farm the tobacco. So a couple weeks later, he would go out following Matthew 18 with a couple elders from the church and repeat the same thing again. And of course, they continued the tobacco trade. And then by Memorial Day, the women and the children would gather again, and they would solemnly excommunicate to all the husbands and fathers and brothers in their midst from the church. And then, as Delmer's father told it, they would go home and have a nice Sunday dinner together. Now sometime in October, after everyone had harvested their crop and sold their tobacco, so they were done with the tobacco farming, the women and children would gather again and vote all their menfolk back into the church. And his father would say with a wink, just in time for the church to collect a tithe on the proceeds of the tobacco sale. So though they followed this scripture to the letter, and I have to commend them, they were truly trying to live out this passage from Matthew 18, which I think a lot of times we just avoid. They used this text to try to kind of eliminate all the messy sinfulness in their midst when it's really meant to shape and share how we are to be a community of people who are messy and sinful together. So he suggests that if a sibling in Christ within this community sins against us, Jesus says, here's how we deal with it. We don't ignore it. We don't throw them out. We don't go and leave the community. We work through it. Jesus says, if a sibling in Christ sins, go talk to that one. I wonder how many of us have actually done that. Or how many of us have had someone do that for us? Or how many of us have done it regularly? I'm gonna guess a lot of us don't. That instead of rather going to the one to talk directly to them, we go and talk to one, two, three, four, five other people to tell them about it. Or if we do keep it to ourselves, we just bury it down and try to forget it. And there it kind of simmers and seeds. And then, when the person does something again, it becomes that much bigger (laughs) or that much matter. Jesus offers us a different way, that if a sibling in Christ sins, go and talk to that one, and it might be resolved. They might not even realize they hurt you. They might listen, and if so, then the relationship is healed, it's rebuilt. And then he suggests, if you're not listened to, bring one or two others with you, not to side with you, but to bear witness take the sin and the need to build relationships seriously. And this all sounds simple enough, but I think we know it's really, really hard. There've been times when I've practiced it and it's gone really well and relationships are healed and rebuilt. And then I think of a time when I tried it with a friend of mine and I had the best intentions and I used all the tools I had to do it respectfully and it wasn't well received. If we look in the church, Jesus finally shares that if the person won't listen, even to the faith community, he says, let them be to you like a Gentile and a tax collector. Let them be to you like an outsider. Here's a question for you to answer. What did Jesus do with the Gentiles and the tax collectors? Anyone? Someone went like this, yeah. He shared meals with them. He was criticized for being a friend of them. He went out to be with the outsiders. So even if someone set apart from the community, if someone refuses to listen or be in right relationship with the community, they may still be cared for by the community. That compassion can still be extended, which sounds amazing and also incredibly hard. How do we keep living in community with those who've wronged us? And note, I don't think Jesus is talking about situations of repeated abuse or of oppression. Sometimes those relationships do need to be stopped for our well-being or the well-being of others. But Jesus is talking about situations in the church that end up leading to vast divisions and conflict. How do we live with one another through those disagreements? With people who have wronged us sometimes in small ways that we keep holding on to and we're kind of petty about, but also people who've harmed us in big ways that we can't and maybe shouldn't forget, that we need help working through. It's hard, but when it's so hard to do it on our own, Jesus also leaves us with the, this promise that we don't do it on our own, that we're two or three are gathered in his name, he is there among them. I love that promise and I often think of it in terms of worship or prayer. What we forget is Jesus speaks this promise in this whole conversation about conflict, that where two or three are gathered in my name, he's there, that when we are in disagreement or conflict with another member of the church, Jesus is present with us in that space. We are all going to be with other people of faith in the space of this church building. We will be with other followers of Jesus at work or school or all the places we go. And I wonder what it would look like for each of us to pause in those places and to recall that Jesus is truly with us there too, witnessing how we speak together or talk about each other or experiencing how we treat each other. In what ways would it impact our relationships, our conversations, our actions if we remembered, if we were aware of Jesus present with us there too? Many years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I had gone to a workshop, it was before I was a pastor, but I went to a workshop about faith. And at that workshop, they talked about having an empty chair in your space as a symbol of Jesus' presence with you. Like if you're in a council meeting, place an empty chair there as a reminder that Jesus is present with you. And I took that really seriously in my early 20s. Even when I was driving in the car, the empty seat next to me, I would think about Jesus being with me or at my home, the empty space, Jesus is truly present here, just a symbol for that. That symbol hasn't worked for me in the same way in in later years, but I wonder if there's a way that we can remind ourselves that Jesus isn't just present with us in this space, but in all the spaces we go, especially in places where we're in conflict or struggling with another human being. Because Jesus calls us to be a different kind of community. We know this, to be a different kind of community in the church. elsewhere. So as we get ready to sing our next hymn, I'd invite every one of us to look around at the people here and to see each person you see as a gift from God created right alongside you so that together we can be the community God wants and needs us to be and how together we might leave this place revealing Jesus grace and forgiveness and how we live in all our agreements and all our disagreements with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.